Greetings. Good morning. It's good to see everyone here. Still stuck on the beautiful phrase that we saw in our Sunday school lesson. Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Thank you, Jesus. What a beautiful lesson that we could uh, study and learn there. If you uh, go back to the cabinet underneath the mailboxes, you're going to find a, a bunch of books like this. Job descriptions. And I hope and trust that if you're a member here, you have this already. But when you're elected to a certain office, uh, for example, Ray mentioned order this morning. So Joel can take his book and he can go in here and look at his, what his responsibilities are. This is what his job description is. He can see exactly what he's supposed to do. He mentioned a few others, but we have secretary, song leader, sound system committee, treasurer was one elected here, trustee. Uh, youth group offices, and I just skipped over them, a bunch more. When you're elected to the office of what I mentioned there or a few others, you grab that book and you look and you know exactly what you're supposed to do. Most of your questions will be answered. There it is. Open it up, read it, and, and away we go. Designed to provide the information you need to fulfill the position that you uh, were elected to. Hang on to that thought for a moment. Back in our study of Colossians, you can open to Colossians 4 if you wish. Um, we're studying through Colossians, and just for an FYI, this is our, uh, my final message on this series, Complete in Christ. Yes, we arrived at the, at the last chapter. The first verse in chapter 4 could have been included with the end of chapter 3, which gives more uh, instruction or direction for uh, masters and slaves, which today you and I would be referring to employers and employees at a place of business. Then verses 2 through 6, we're going to see a few job descriptions for the child of God. You know, you think, well, okay, Myerstown, somebody printed this book, Job Descriptions for Myerstown Mennonite Church, so that, that's fine. But guess what? As children of God, we have a job description to fulfill as well. So when we accept... Of Christ as our personal Savior, so think back to your conversion experience, um, our lives change. I think everyone would agree with that. Our, your life has changed, and we become new, and we become a different people. Some people uh, cringe at the word different, but different in a good way in God's eyes. Yeah, may possibly strangely different from mainstream society, but we are different. Also, when we invite Christ into our hearts, we do not continue to do things that please the flesh. Correct? Because one of the things of uh, becoming a, a child of God is we need to deny self and then take up the cross and follow him. So as a, as a child of God, we don't do things that please our flesh, but instead we live in a way that pleases the Lord. Today, tomorrow, forever, you're, you're pleasing the Lord. So when, by doing that, we're going to take the word of God and we're going to follow his commands. We're going to follow his, his guidelines and, may I say, the job descriptions that he gives to us. So this morning, we're going to look at what the Lord wants to see in our prayer life. You know you have a job description for your prayer life? We're going to look at a uh, job description for our walk in life. Our, our conduct, we could say, as well as how we use our time. 
Then we're going to read our job description for our speech. So what is expected of you and I in, in our prayer life? What's expected of us? What does God want to see in our character? What about our use of time and the words that we say? Does God even care about these areas in our life? And yes, he does. You're in Colossians 4. Let's read chapter, uh, yeah, chapter 4. Let's read verses 1 through 6. Masters, give unto your servants that which is just and equal, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. With all praying also for us that God would open us unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in bonds, that I may make manifest as I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom towards them that are without, redeeming the time. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how to answer, how you ought to answer every man. So like I said earlier, verse 1 in chapter 4 could have been tied in with the, uh, some of the last verses in chapter 3, the same subject, treatment expected from the employee to the employee, from the employer to the employee. Provide what is just and equal. Just and equal. If you're a business owner here this morning, you might say that can be a little bit challenging depending on the talent and ability of each individual person. But God is speaking clearly to those who have hired people to fill a job position. And I think a golden rule comes in well here. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Just and equal. Do you treat them equally? Or could we use the word fair? So a, a good rule to follow here is to treat them the same way you would like if God would deal with you. And I believe there's responsibilities on both sides. The employee should be uh, do his, his or her very best at what their, their occupation, and while the employer should be generous with those that they have hired. So a point to remember is that wrongdoing on either side will be punished by the Lord. Verse, four, one, uh, verse uh, 1 tells us, Knowing that you also have a master in heaven, for he sees what we do. He knows what we're up to and how we treat whether you're an employee or employer, he knows our attitudes and how we treat the one that, we're, that has hired us. So there we have, give that which is just and equal. Point number one, back up a little bit. The title of the message this morning is a believer's job description. Here we have job descriptions for positions at church. We're looking this morning at the believer's job description. Point number one, continue in prayer. What do you see in verse 2? Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. The big words that I see are, are prayer and watch and, and thanksgiving. And as we, we dive in just a little bit, a few minutes on our, our, our prayer life, I hope that the inspiration that you receive from these verses will be similar to what I receive. That is a desire for more, more fervent prayer life. James 5.15b the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. A familiar verse, but what does, it, what does fervent mean? It, passionate and sincere, to, reaching out to God, either out of thankfulness, repentance, or need. Sometimes our, our prayer life is just a time that we spend time praying and we get on with the rest of life, but uh, 
do we have fervent prayers asking God for specific things? It has been said that the two important subjects in the life of a believer, the two important subjects in the life of a believer are their prayer life and their witnessing. Just ponder your prayer life for a little bit and, and your witnessing. There's more uh, to our lives, but when we have a, a fervent, vibrant prayer life, and at the same time had an attitude that's eager to witness, I think many, other, many of the other subjects will follow suit. You think about that. If, if uh, let's say Joe, whoever Joe is, if Joe's a man of prayer and a good, and a, uh, and bold in his witnessing, a lot of things are going to follow suit in the rest of his Christian life. The same is true for you and I today. But here in these verses we see four specific job descriptions that are noted. Four of them are noted. Number one, Continue steadfast in prayer. So here we see uh, a constant prayer, driving home the point that we're not to tire out, but instead uh, be steadfast, be devoted, be persistent, and also unwilling to quit. Uh, I wrote an extra note down in after we had some issues right here, and my note I wrote down was, Anybody can pray. You don't have to go to a certain individual to help you hook you up and get you going. Now, later, it turns out that it started to work. This is for the very end, by the way, so just deal with that for a second or two. But another thing I've seen, and not uh, complimenting my son, but I have to, persistent. He didn't give up. I don't know what he did. I'll find out later. Most likely, he went and called somebody. But persistent. So he tried it. It didn't work. As you saw, I tried a couple times, came back later and tried it again. And use that example in our prayer life. Are we not getting through? Do we need to be more persistent? We need to be constant in prayer. Secondly, we, we can also, another thing we can see, we need to uh, uh, develop an attitude of prayer. So how, how is this done? A quote by Mueller, prayer is not merely an occasional impulse to which we respond when we are in trouble. Prayer is a life attitude. Does that describe your prayer life? Make, make praying a, a habit. And I'm not saying the same repetitious prayer, but find yourself praying many times throughout the day. Am I promoting that you can pray without actually sitting down, kneeling down and closing your eyes? Carefully, cautiously, I am. We can pray when we're driving. Keep your eyes open. God is there. We need to be constant in prayer. Another thing we got to do is walk in the spirit of prayer. Walk in the spirit of prayer. You may have heard, you may have heard someone talk about another person, and they say, man, they just talk constantly. They're just, they never stop. And I, I take that and I ask the question, do you, does God wish we were more like that in our prayer life? Does God ever say about you, he or she just never stops praying? God would never say that. But I'm not saying we have to have a dedicated time of prayer walking, but are we constantly in the spirit of prayer? 
Another way to be continue steadfastly in prayer, another point, we could arise early in the morning, which we do, spend time in prayer before your day, and then repeat before you go to bed. Do you, is that the first thing you do when you get up and one of the last things you do? Captivate idle moments of prayer, in prayer. The talk of the day sometimes today is how much time people spend on their devices. There's your brother, he's, he's not here this morning, he says, well, he has a, his phone tells him how much time he spends. That's besides the point, but that's, we, how much time do people spend on their devices? Spend less time there and more time in communication with God. If you're like me, we could probably all err on spending too much time there, and we could spend more time in communication with God. Maybe at times you feel like uh, your, your prayer is not effective. doesn't seem to be going, um, being effective at all, but we need to be careful in that area. Satan's going to try to uh, hinder your prayer life. He's going to try to discourage you and make you feel like giving up. But take heart. Don't quit. Keep praying. For God is listening. And I got two quotes on prayer from Spurgeon. Number one, the first one, I quote, Neglect of private prayer is the locus that devours the strength of the church. So you, uh, and that's just a man quoting, but you look at that and you're like, well, I spend my time in prayer with God. I'm, I'm ready to go today. But more time in prayer will make the church stronger. And when we, de- we s- the opposite is also true according to what he said there. Spurgeon, the second quote, I quote, Prayer is the breath of faith. Prayer meetings are the lungs of the church. I go, okay. How long am I going to live without my lungs? You know the rest of the story. Are we spending time? Prayer meetings are the lungs of the church. Verse 2 tells us to watch in prayer. Here we could say uh, vigilant prayer life would fit in here. We're to be uh, awake and alert when we're praying, fighting off distractions, fighting off wandering thoughts, and fighting off drowsiness. We look at uh, what we need as we go throughout our day. All, all might and power and life come from God. And as his people, we are continually dependent upon him for all three. So when we are earnest and persevering in prayer, he has promised to supply our need. But he who prays not has no promise. It's just the importance of prayer and, and communication with God. We can't, uh, we need to just do it daily, each and every day of our lives. We, we have heard, um, a number of years ago, one of the evangelists said we need to be intentional in our Christian walk of life. And intentional is a great word. We need to be intentional. It's things like, like a vibrant Christian life and prayer life do not happen by default. Uh, so we need to press forward. But are we also intentional in our prayer life? Prayerlessness can be interpreted as an indication that we don't need anything from God. So lack of prayer tells is basically saying, I don't need God because I'm able to f- handle life on my own. And we all know that's a, a dangerous place to be, a dangerous attitude to have. But prayer is a sign of our trust in God. Prayer is an expression of our powerlessness apart from God. So apart from God, we have no strength because that's where our strength comes from. And we spend time in prayer to get the strength that we need. 
continuing in prayer, saves some spiritual death and is the secret to the mighty power with God. Continuing in prayer saves us from dying spiritually. Do we see the importance in prayer? We also see in verse 2 to pray with thanksgiving. So our prayers, we pray for, for health and, and our needs, direction in life, and, and much more, which, which is good. But please don't forget to thank God for answering our prayers. Do we thank him when he answers our prayer? We should be committed to this, a spirit of thankfulness. When someone does something for us, uh, we're quick to say thank you right away. I trust, it's, you know, oh, thank you, thank you. But Jesus gave his life for us, and God showers his blessings upon us each and every day. Do we thank him for his love and his mercy and his compassion? We talked about his compassion in Sunday school lesson this morning, as well as all his blessings. We also see we're to pray for others. In the beginning of Colossians, uh, Paul told the people he is praying for them. Now here, uh, in verse, verse 3, he's asking that they pray for him. Can you pray for me? And <clears throat> this morning, we're not in, uh, in prison like Paul was during this time of his life. But he is asking that the doors of witnessing would be open so he could be free to proclaim the gospel. He had a desire to witness, and we could say why. Well, he was concerned for the spiritual well-being of others. Paul could have spent his time in prison asking why about his current condition, but he spent, instead he wrote a whole letter to encourage others. So think about that and go back again to our prayer life. Is our prayer, do we pray, God, send someone that I can help? Do we ever ask God for that? Helping, helping someone else is a great way to take our mind off of our current condition and a great way to feel blessed. Do we pray, Lord, send someone to me today that I can bless? Do we take time in our prayer life praying for others? Maybe keep the church calendar close by and pick out a family or two each day, asking God to go with them, to bless them, and to comfort them through whatever they are going through. Our world that we live in today is perishing without Christ. Ask God to send someone your way that you could witness to, Jesus, about Jesus, to them about Jesus. Pray for the persecuted church. Pray for the unsaved, that their eyes would be open to the truth of the gospel. And pray for understanding and pray for boldness. Verse 4, that I may make manifest as I ought to speak. Boldness as we go forth and spread the word of God. Don't be shy and timid when witnessing for Christ. Don't be shy and timid when witnessing about Christ. Boldly proclaim truth. Truth is almost unheard of in our day. Pray for a revival and allow it to begin in you. Are you, am I, willing to make a difference for Christ this week? Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. No partiality. Salvation is for all who believe. Are we going to be willing and intentional in our prayer life to pray for those who need the Lord Jesus Christ? Praying and witnessing is a duty of the believer. Praying and witnessing is part of our job description. Will we 
be found faithful. Your prayer life, consider, are we faithful in what God wants us to do? Do we continue in prayer, watching in prayer, and praying with thanksgiving? Point number two is walk in wisdom. I ask the question again, what do you see in verse five? Walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time. Here we see how we're to walk and how we're to use our time. Them that are without. And here we have our job description for our conduct towards unbelievers. Those that are without referring to those who do not know Christ. So how are we going to respond to them, uh, live among them? And the word is walk in wisdom and be careful with our time. Be wise in your conduct toward those who do not know Christ. Use wisdom there. Be careful how you behave in traffic. Careful with your attitude in stressful situations. On the telephone, in a restaurant, at the grocery store, the hardware store, the gas station. Be careful with our attitude there. I know I say it quite often, but we're all allowed to have our opinions, and maybe here we go with one of my pet peeves. It bothers me when I'm in a restaurant and I hear someone else complaining about their food. That's just me. I'm not saying that if you're a Christian, you're supposed to eat raw meat. That's not my point. But I think if you've ever been in a restaurant and you heard it, you know what I'm saying. There might be something just a little bit wrong. But I believe Christians are supposed to just uh, take that with a smile and chew down. But be careful with our attitudes at the restaurants. Obviously, studying this week and obviously on the road a lot. And yes, I will confess the whole idea of, of being uh, careful with my attitude in traffic played a role a couple times. As soon as a little bit of snow on the road, you know, the speed limit goes from whatever down to negative. Okay, very, very slow. And it's like, well, there's not much out here, but that's besides the point. I need to be careful in my attitude towards those extremely careful drivers. The question is, are we polite? Are we kind? Are we patient? Are we forbearing? And are we compassionate? A challenge from my life as well. Situations come. Do we respond correctly? How are we to respond? Well, we could say, respond in a way that everyone will know you are a child of God without asking. It might be easier for the women, but for men as well. Do they know that you've been with Christ without asking? A little devotional book uh, I'm reading, and uh, it is written in a way as if Jesus was speaking directly to you. I quote, I am less interested in right circumstances than in right responses to whatever comes your way. You kind of challenged me. Jesus is, I mean, this is a, an author writing this, but I'm not, I'm not too concerned about making sure you're in the right circumstance, but I'm a little more concerned about your response to what I send your direction. How do we respond? Is it a test that God's saying, you know, how are you to respond uh, to this? He is aware of our responses in life. Harold Martin, I quote, uh, says, walk in wisdom means to behave with tact. Tact? How does that fit in? A person with tact is not referring to an easygoing pushover type, but one who will conduct their life in a way that is not rude. 
back up? Are we polite and kind, or are we responding without tact and, and being rude? We're to live in a way that will attract, humbly impress, to the point of convincing the non-believers, the non-Christians that we interact with, that they are to make a decision to follow Christ. And I said, wait a minute, that's, that's quite a job response, a job description. But that's how our lives are supposed to come across. Yeah, huge responsibility. But like I mentioned earlier, we are different. We have Christ living within. Are we willing, as we go through life, to turn the other cheek when needed so people can clearly see that we are abiding in Christ? A quote I come across, don't know who it was from. I believe it will help us to respond correctly when we remember that our daily lifestyle may be the only Bible that some people will ever read. And now we're taking the job description book, which I presented with just a, just a few words in there. Now we're kind of raising the bar, maybe. But people see you, uh, your speed, your, where you're driving, at the gas station, your patients are lack of there, in, in the grocery store with people parking their carts in the center of the aisle and the list could go on, we'll stop but do they know that you have been with Christ and if they're reading you like people do, would attract them to the way that they could say I want what he or she has maybe I should make a decision to follow the Lord is a Christian life an easy life? never said that but it's rewarding and we can live in victory when we follow the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to live in a way that will make people wonder why we're different, and hopefully they will ask, and will give us the opportunity or the open door to witness to them about your Savior. I said, I said we're different, and I repeated it three or four times now. We are different. But take uh, just think a minute how different the life of the unbeliever is when you compare that to the life of the believer, the born-again believer. And I have just a few here, but think about this as we go through, as, as I read this. The unbelievers are walking without, without hope beyond this life. They're walking without the assurance of eternal life. They're walking without help when facing trials and traumas <coughs> of this life. Think about how, what they are missing. They are walking without peace and security. They're walking without God's constant prayer, care, and protection. They are walking without freedom of guilt, plus no assurance of forgiveness of sins. They are walking without light, some of what we looked at this morning, which means no freedom from uh, the darkness of death and the grave. They are walking without that. And then we come back and we, and we look at the thought, well, maybe you are the only Bible they will ever read. And it helps us to understand what they are missing and what you have. The exact opposite of what, of what they are walking without is what you are walking with as a child of God. And that list could continue, but it helps us to see why we were given the responsibility to walk in wisdom to those who do not know Christ. So often we think witnessing is going out, handing out tracts, and speaking to someone about Christ. And that includes included in that. But also, as we see here, it's your lifestyle. Can people see that you have been with Christ? 
Is your character attractive? A challenge for myself, trust for each one. But walking in wisdom is clearly reflecting Jesus Christ. Obviously the source of wisdom, but are, are we clearly reflecting the Lord? Some people may think that the unbeliever's life is the fun life, the preferred way to go, the path to take. But consider their end. Plus the blessings we have of walking today with hope, with the assurance of salvation and eternal life, with the help from God. We have it all when we follow him and do as he tells us to do. How are we to respond to those who are without? Show them Christ. Point them to the Lord. Job description, walk in wisdom. Redeeming the time. So we need to use our time wisely. See, I'm running out of it here. Every day God hands us 1,440 minutes. Every day we need to spend the time that he gives. We're not able to take minutes from today and hold them over till tomorrow. It doesn't work that way. However, when we get to the end of life, we're going to give an account of how we spent our time. Are we quick to speak of the Lord, to be a shining light for those walking in sin? Allow me to read a few verses from Jude. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. There the praying comes back in. Keeping yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And here we have it. And of some having compassion, making a difference, others saved with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. And there it takes it, an intentional, a bold Christian to reach out and to take those souls and to bring them into, God, in, into the, the fold of Christ. The concept of, of making wise use of our time is not getting easier in the day we live in, but we need to be intentional in this area, carefully watching how we spend our minutes. A short little poem, time at its best is very short. Time flies so very fast. Lord, help me not to waste this day, lest it should be my last. And we don't like to think like that, that, oh, it could be in my last minute, my last hour, my last day, but the truth of it is it could be. Are we spending our time wisely? Are we taking advantage of the God-given opportunities for ministry today because they not, might not be available tomorrow? And with different fields that we're in, our, our occupations and all, I think we spread far across this state. Are we doing our best to reach others for the Lord? Point number three, taken from verse, number, verse six, proper use of our tongue. Our speech reveals our character. The words we say point out directly who we are. Sad but true. So just be careful. What are, how are we saying it's, the verse says, let your speech be always, let's pause there for a second, always, at all times, in every circumstance, our speech is to be wholesome, not allowing room for idle talk, which we need to be careful. Matthew twelve thirty six. but I say unto you, familiar verse, every idle word that men shall speak, what's going to happen? We got to give account for it in the day of judgment. Speaking with grace signifies the idea of beauty. What's beautiful speech? I think we know that because we know what a non-beautiful speech is like. Mild and courteous, answering and sharing about what makes your life different. Here that word comes up again. Forgive me. We are different. Tell others why. 
different but content to be different because Christ who has changed us from the inside out. We're not different because of what we have done, but because of what Christ has done in us. We could look to James 3 and we could see how what it has to say about an uncontrolled tongue. But here we see uh, the believer's conversation is to be one of kindness, courtesy, and graciousness. Does this verse describe you? Seasoned with salt, meaning we are to be able to flavor or turn the conversation to tasteful, appropriate, and enjoyable subjects away from harsh, corruptible, and tasteless talk. Is that who we are? Is that one of our character traits? A good attitude to maintain with thinking of our speech is always try to encourage or build up the other rather than using words that belittle and tear down. Let your speech always be seasoned with grace that you may know how to answer, season, always with grace, seasoned with salt, how you ought to answer every man. He's challenging us that we need to be well-versed about our faith. Are we well-informed in the faith? Do we know God's word? And this will happen when we take time and we study it, meditate it, ponder the truth uh, of the Bible in our hearts. We've been given the responsibility or the job description to, to speak to lost souls about eternal truth. And we need to speak with grace and seasoned with salt. Here in Colossians, we see just a brief introduction to the believer's job description book. There's more. But if you want to narrow it down to one sentence, and this was repeated in our Sunday school class, uh, Terrell asked a, a question about what is the goal of a Christian? So think about it. If someone come to you this afternoon or, or call and text you and say, what is the goal of a Christian? How would you respond? And this answer come up, and I didn't say it because I'm preaching. I'm going to say it right now, but my son said it, so here we go. To know Christ and to make him known. If you want to narrow your job description down, if you can see all these sentences in here, if you want to narrow it down to one sentence, what is my job description, Lord? Lord, what do you want me to do? To know Christ and to make him known. And think about what falls under that umbrella. Basically, basically about what I spent the last half hour telling you about. To know Christ and to make him known. So you leave here this morning. Keep that in your mind. You can't, probably can't remember everything I said. Unless you go back and listen to it but to know Christ and to make him known. The final, from verse 17 to the end of the chapter, the final verses in Colossians is Paul's final greetings to his fellow workers. I am not going to read that. But the study for our theme in Colossians was complete in Christ. Complete in Christ. Picture your life uh, with Christ being the center focus. And one way that we can make this happen is when we take the principles or could we say the job descriptions uh, that we see here in these verses and apply them to our lives, allowing the teaching to change us and to shape us into the image of Christ. So for a, a brief review here in closing, let's consider a few key pieces of the puzzle that we saw in Colossians in order to be complete in Christ. So you just picture a few Key keys, uh, can't even talk. 
key pieces to the puzzle to be complete in Christ. As we get just a brief review, chapter 1, verse 10, we are to walk worthy of the Lord. You want to be complete in Christ? Walk worthy of the Lord. Um, chapter 1, verse, verse 23, here we see continue in the faith. And that verse does well to be, to be read. If you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you have heard. Are we describing your a lifestyle? Complete in Christ. We need to continue in the faith. We need hearts that are filled with love. Chapter 2, verse 2. That your hearts may be comforted, being knit together in love. Do we have this key piece in our hearts? Uh, from chapter 2, verse 7, another verse I need to read. Rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. You want to be complete in Christ? We need to be rooted in him. We need to be built up in him. And we need to be a thankful, grateful people. Then back to uh, chapter 2, verse 10. We are complete in Christ. And you are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. Reaffirming what we're talking about. Another way to be complete is dead, forgiven, and made alive. Verse 13 of chapter 2. And you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened or made alive together, having forgiven all your trespasses. The old life of sin we've got to do away with, forgive him, and move on. The lady in our Sunday school lesson, neither did I condemn you, go and sin no more. I like to hear her story. Did she follow the teachings of Christ? Complete in Christ, uh, chapter 3, verse 1, if you then be risen with Christ. What's going to happen? Seek those things which are above. Another way, from the, uh, chapter 3, verse 2, set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. Yes, we're here. We're living here. Need to go through life, but our home is in heaven. We're going to set our affection on things above. Chapter 3, verse 10, we're going to put on the new man. If you remember those verses, a lot of put off, put this off, then put on. We're going to put on the new man. We're going to let the peace of God rule in our hearts. Chapter 3, verse 15, let the peace of God rule in your heart, to which also you're called in one body, and be ye thankful. A key piece to the puzzle there. The peace of God, which passes all understanding. Then uh, you go back a few weeks ago, and I preached on, on the family. Uh, verses, chapter 3, verses 18 to 21. God's design for the family. Wives submit. Husbands love. Children obey. A lot more could be said there. But we've taken God's design for the family and applying it to our hearts so we could be complete in Christ. And the last one we saw is our job descriptions this morning. And they're fresh on your mind. Are we complete in Christ? Following him faithfully. Different we are, but we love it because of what he has done for us. Press on, I guess be a, a faithful witness. Know Christ and make him known. Thank you for being here this morning. God bless you. As you press forward, you go about your week. Find someone who you can bless. Pray for your, your brothers and sisters in the church. Be faithful. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you here this morning with grateful, thankful hearts. Lord, your word is so beautiful, so clear, easy to understand. Lord, help us just to take the, the truth and the principles.
the teaching that we see, apply them to our hearts and to our lives, help it to, uh, may it change us to be better Christians for you as we follow you faithfully. Lord, we're okay with being different. Help us, Lord, to be bold in witnessing and just to be a good witness and testament to those that we come in contact with. Thank you for each one here. A blessing, we pray. Give us a good week, not against your will. May we let our light shine bright wherever we go. In your name we pray with thanksgiving. Amen. Have a song, please, Ed.